Guitarist Greg Ruggiero grew up in New Mexico with swing-dancing parents who encouraged him to listen to the great American standards and classic jazz, something Greg resisted. Instead, Greg went in the opposite direction, moving to Los Angeles to play rock and write original music. Greg is now one of the most respected younger musicians on the jazz scene and an enthusiastic proponent of the very music he initially avoided, as well as the tradition that spawned it. I talked to Greg Ruggiero the day before he recorded his first CD of standards called It's About Time. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I started by asking Greg what prompted his move from New Mexico to Manhattan. I started playing in rock bands um, uh, and started finding an interest in jazz when I, when I got into college, actually. I started real late, but I grew up listening to it. My parents were avid jazz listeners and dancers. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like swing dancers? Well, they would they would go to the clubs on the weekend. I would go with them when I was four years old. I remember my earliest memories. And what were they going, dancing to? What kind to of music? Swing, to, they would oh, do the Lindy swing. Hop. Yeah, they, would, they, they, they loved to dance, and they were smooth, smooth dancers. That's fantastic. Yeah. So and the, so were those big bands, or what kind of bands were you yeah, listening like to? Yeah, like small big bands. You oh, know, how wonderful. Like three-horn kind of thing. So, so you were exposed to live oh, music, very early, which is very yeah. different. And in New Mexico, there was only one club, maybe you know, but they were avid supporters of the scene, even before I knew what the music was. You know, the, uh, I was I was hearing it, and they they, my dad would be blasting records on the weekends of Count Basie, um, and be waking me up from you know from my my slumber early saturday mornings I, that that's my that's my big memory that i remember here waking you up to cal basie oh yeah
pretty good way to wake up. It is now. Now, <laughs> then, then. Um, yeah, so, so I started uh, playing. I, actually, I had moved to L.A. right out of in, in college, right after my first year of college and uh, played in a rock band for a year out there and hated it. Uh, started getting into fusion music and, and started working my way back through the music. Uh, hated playing rock, hated living in LA. Living in both. LA. Hated living in LA. Yeah. I, I Where so were you? So poor. I was in the Valley in mm. Van Nuys. Mm. Um, I'm an been, LA girl, so yeah, I want to be specific. Yeah, I know all these places. Never been more poor in all my life. That was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> a, a real coming of age story. Um, uh, but started getting into jazz out there and, you know, started really finding a riff between uh, the rock, the rock scene and what I wanted to be doing. Um, so went back to school in New Mexico and started playing, uh, and started getting hired more for gigs and uh, in New Mexico, yeah, in New Mexico. And were these rock gigs or jazz gigs? No jazz started getting hired for jazz gigs. Yeah. Um, and the, and then school started to conflict with gigs. So, so like what happens with a lot of guys is you start to, you leave school so you could go play the gig. Um, and, uh, you know, just the natural progression of things, you, you know, you hear what's going on in New York, you get records and you hear about the guys and, and you want to be part of that, you know, and you start meeting, um, here and there musicians that are, that are telling you about this guy or that guy. And, uh, and, uh, through, through a college roommate, I ended up visiting him. He moved to St. Louis. I ended up visiting him. And met a young drummer there named Tommy Crane. Um, and Tommy was 17 at the time. And and I was, what, 23 at the mm -hmm. time. So um, I was a big Wes Montgomery fan by that point. And Tommy was a big Jimmy Cobb fan. So we met and played a session. And I was floored by this kid. I knew I wanted to be playing with him as much as I can. And the next year he was going to new school in New York. Ah. So, so I, I made sure we, we kept in touch. And once he got to school, I made plans to come visit him and stayed in the dorm room. <laughs> and, uh, and, and was this meeting. your first trip to New York? Um, ever? Let's see. I th actually, I think, in 2000, I came and actually, it, yeah, I totally, I totally forgot about that. I, I actually sublet a place for three months. Oh, yeah. And, and just uh, for fun. Well, a, a friend of a friend need, needed somebody to take over a room on the, mm. in the West Village. Uh, at the time, I thought it was a hole, but now I know it was prime real estate <laughs> <laughs> coming from New Mexico. Oh, where, you know, I there's know. open space. How, you know, our, how our perspective changes. Yeah. So, so that was my first experience with New York, and I didn't know a soul. I was, I was going out at night and uh, checking people out and freaking out, knowing I wasn't ready to be here, you know, but um, practicing all, all the time. Uh, getting up super late, staying out mm -hmm. uh, super late as well. Did you feel you weren't ready for the city, for the energy of the city and all of that, or not ready musically for the city? No, from the first time I visited New York, it felt like home. I felt more more at home here than I ever did in New Mexico, just the energy of it. and, and um, Yeah. Uh, but you weren't ready musically? No, no, yeah. not at all. I, I was, uh, I was overwhelmed completely. Mm. I was mm. seeing, 
I was seeing people like Kurt Rosenwinkel and Peter Bernstein play. And uh, so, so I took what I, what I could from that trip and went back home and played more gigs and tried to get more experience. But then, uh, but then after a couple of years, once I met Tommy and, and, uh, and made that second trip out and started meeting uh, more, more people from the new school through Tommy, super talented young musicians. Um, and, you know, doing kind of doing what they wanted to do uh, musically and that were very advanced for their age. I had never seen anything like that from where I was from. So that really got to me and I really wanted to be a part of that. My guest, guitarist Greg Ruggiero with Michael Kanan on piano and Neil Minor bass on Taking a Chance on Love. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Greg about the influence Wes Montgomery's music has had on his playing. I was a pick player uh, at the very early stages of playing, and I how was I? My my dad again. I was I was introduced to Wes Montgomery just on record. I was I was into heavy metal, and I'd say, "Of course dad, you were." <laughs> I'd say, "Of course, every guitar player I goes know. through that." Now. It's so predictable. Yeah, it is right. So so I'd play a track of my favorite heavy metal guitarist, and then my dad would say, "Well, listen to Wes Montgomery," and uh, and I'd say, "Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know. They're just making it up. I didn't I didn't know what was I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't hear harmony or anything. You know." Yeah, they're just making it up. But, you know, it's just funny. You really, I became my father. You know, that's that's what ended up happening. You, I, as, I've, as I've gotten older, I just see all, all the things that he was talking about back then happening to me and finding all, uh, just finding the love and the passion for it that, that that he's had his whole life and, mm. and it's just you kind of you are who you you are who you are uh very early i think those things get formed but he didn't force it on you it sounds like because a lot of people wind up really hating their parents oh, music i was i mean yeah there was a point that i thought that i thought that you know oh really yeah i mean because it sounds know. like it was sort of gentle 
in a way. It was there. It was yeah, there. Yeah, it was just there rather than him. Was he ridiculing you? No, he was not your... gentle. No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> my father would come Did he out. ridicule your music? Oh, yeah. He would come oh, to right, shows. So it wasn't he hated the original music thing. He only wants to hear standards. And to this day, he only wants to hear standards. Well, so, maybe your originals are getting better, though. So, maybe he likes them now. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. He wants a familiar melody. He wants to be able to whistle along, which will infuriate anyone trying to play when somebody's whistling along to your music. Oh, he whistles during the performance? Oh, yeah, yeah. If it's a melody that, that he knows and loves. Do you think that stimulated you wanting to have originals so he couldn't whistle along? Maybe, but... but, Did, but hidden but, things come out on this show. Maybe, but it didn't help. That he would sit right in the front, no matter what the gig was, right in the front. And if it was a song he liked, it was obvious that he liked it. He'd be tapping and moving in his chair. If he didn't, his arms were crossed and he had a scowl <laughs> on his face. So those things were very influential. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, he did play me great records. He just had great records on. And to this day, they still have music on all the time. At, so at they're big hours. music lovers. Big yeah. music lovers. Yeah. Um, not so much musicians, um, but, but it was always on. So um, hearing Wes Montgomery... For any guitar player, I think they all go to West. Well, and I wonder why, because everybody hears things differently. I, I do. I mean, I don't. This isn't an unusual thing yeah. for me to hear that. But what about West got through to you? How did it get through to you in a different way? I don't know if it's in his rhythm or his sound. I mean, the the, the sound of the thumb uh, and and the actual flesh hitting the string of an electrified instrument. It's something completely different than a, a plectrum player. Um, and for me, I've always gravitated to that warmer that warmer tone and could never get used to the sound of the click of a pick hitting the string. Um, so, so I experimented and went through a terrible time trying to find a way to get that sound with a pick. Um, I would make my own picks out of belts. I would cut leather. Um, uh, just anything I could do to try to get that sound. And, and finally, you know, I'd go back and forth and drive people. I was playing with nuts on the gig, just like, do you like this sound? Do you like the sound of the thumb or the pick? And they were, they didn't want to hear it anymore. Um, finally decided I'm just going to go for it and literally couldn't play anything. I was terrible with just the thumb. It was, it basically cut my playing, uh, by you know seventy five percent, yeah, you know for for a couple of years it seemed like, and I just I just I wanted that sound so bad, uh, and uh, you know you when you hear somebody like Wes, you know you know it's possible.
that's the great thing about the tradition of this music uh, and and where I am now starting to really you know feel like part of something part of a tradition um, th those records let you know how how beautiful something can be and that is possible I like you talking about being part of a tradition because lately that's been coming up with my contemporaries who came to New York in the 80s right. and talking about the culture that was happening for us of the older people. And I was having a conversation with our mutual friend, Chris Flory, who recommended you mm -hmm. to me and we got to play together. And I was saying how much I enjoyed it. And Chris lives here in New York and I travel so much. He said, you know, there's other people around that are younger than we are that are coming up who care about the tradition because right. <laughs> he meets more of you than I do. And I was thrilled. And Neil Miner, another mutual friend who I just had on the show, who was talking about that. And talk about that, connecting with the tradition now, today, because I came into it at an earlier time. Right. And I know that the older people I met were thrilled that I was interested in that tradition. So talk about what that means to you. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's been a big change my my last six years here in New York from my first six years here in New York. Um, like I said, I, I moved here uh, wanting to play with these incredible young musicians that I, that I didn't know were around, you know, and at the same time, I didn't know about the older experienced musicians that were around or that, that happened later for me. I always thought you, you practice and you, you try to develop a sound and a voice and, and some, star comes and swoops you up they hear you and swoops you up that never happened for me you know i didn't i didn't realize um that what what i was looking for was a type of mentorship uh actually i did realize that that i was looking for but i didn't know how to go about it mm, i didn't know mm -hmm. i didn't know what that entailed um nowadays so many people come up in school and they deal with just playing with their peers. And no matter how talented they are, it's 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 very uh, it's it's a very different way of coming up than, mm. than what I hear about how how it used to be. Um, getting the tutelage of somebody who is out there playing the experience and just kind of kind of learning on the gig. Um, so after a few years of doing uh, playing with. Uh, in the more modern original mu modern i hate that word i don't i don't know how to go about saying it but the original music scene i started to feel um like something was missing for me um it it i didn't feel like uh, i was part of a tradition that i wanted to that that i thought about when i we talk about west montgomery mm. when we talk about um some of the earlier players and the, and the players I didn't know who was around in New York mm. um so the first the first person I ever got the guts to call uh for a gig I had just a like a duo steakhouse gig uh, and it was with a, a good friend of mine a piano player and he couldn't make it one night so my friend said do you know about this guy do you know about Michael Caine and I was like of course I know Michael Caine and he was on he was on one of my favorite Kurt Rosenwinkel records contemporary guitar player uh, amazing guitarist and it, it this record I've 
I, I wore out the CD. I had to buy it again. I listened to it so much. So, so I was like, you think he would do it? I mean, why this guy won't do it? You know, I called him up. He was super nice and he came and played. And we started talking that night about, I started saying, you know, I really want, I really want to play these tunes in a very real way. I want to, I want to swing and I just want the music to feel good. And he was like, well, you know, let me, let me introduce you to some of my friends. And he started asking me, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? No, no, didn't know him. And, and it's, it's really like that now. The scenes are so segregated. What strikes me with what you just said is I've met a lot of people who say they want a mentor. Mm. I've had people tell me that. I admire that you called him for a gig mm -hmm. and you said what I consider the right things. I want to play like this. I want to do this. And he had the chance to say, well, let me introduce you to some people or, oh, this guy's thinking in the right way or right. thinking the way. That's what he was and saying. then there's a, a mutuality to it. Plus you hired him for a gig. Mm -hmm. It showed that you were serious. It's sort of like, show me the money. I hate to be that crass, right. Right. but you weren't just some guy. Because right. I've had people call me and I'm thinking, what? You've never called me before out of a clear blue sky. You're telling me you want to hang out. I don't right. have time to hang out with somebody. I've never even, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You no, know, but people don't have the time. Right. It's not that we're not generous. Right. Uh, so I admire that you did that. You took the step because yeah. I know that's what we all did. I went to gigs and went backstage and tried to meet people and say hello and tell them I loved what they yeah. were doing. I didn't, I didn't say that, hang though. out with me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I didn't know that's how it, how it worked though. I, I thought you waited around and well, but and I don't we even know that it's how it works. I think it's just being kind and brave and, you know, doing what you did. Well, that, that yeah. I, I didn't even know guys would be available for, right. for right. a restaurant gig or something of that right. nature. You well, know, you take I thought a you risk. had to, you know, have a, amazing concert you know that that you know but guys want to play and that's and that's what mike started to to talk to, to say, me about yeah. too it's like you know there's all these great guys around you know and i didn't i didn't know of any of them so he started putting sessions together for us to play and i was introduced to murray wall and taro okamoto that was one of my first sessions with him and you know it, it's it's such a different feeling playing with these musicians. And for me at the time, I was so jolted by it. I didn't know what to make of it. It's, it's like I said, things, there's really very separate ways of playing uh, quote unquote jazz now. And I, at this point, I don't agree with it. It's like, I think we have to come up through these players. We have to maintain what the, the beauty that these guys discovered and they discovered from the generation before you can have your own voice. You can, you can, you can still experiment. You can still be creative. That's, that's always there, but to understand what a feel is and to understand how to put a set of music together and to, and to count off a tempo and to have an identity and to identify with a melody or a lyric uh, to understand clear harmony all those things should never be lost in the music as far as I'm concerned at this point. And that, that takes a very uh, deep commitment to, to playing tunes and to learning what a swing rhythm is and, and to learning what a feel is and a sound is. And that never ends either. That's not something you just learn. And the 
got to keep living in that world, you know, and and we still have the opportunity to do that. My generation still has the opportunity to do that. There are still guys around that played with Benny Goodman. Most of the guys I play with now played with Benny Goodman. Um, they played with Stan Getz, they, you know, they played with Duke Ellington. So that's amazing. That's now that I can say that out loud that I've played with those guys. That's I've, I've done that. I've done it now. You know, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it there. I'm learning. Uh, that's a beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. And that's that. Now I know that's why I moved here. Guest guitarist Greg Ruggiero on balance from his CD, My Little One. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Thank you. 
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway and Sons and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis. Eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired free on iTunes and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. To find out more about my CDs and where I'm touring and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. And check out my new CD, My First with Originals. Can You Love Once More? Judy and Harry play Carmichael and Ellen. Available on iTunes and at judycarmichael.com. My guest is guitarist Greg Ruggiero. Speaking of the tradition and all of that music you brought on Lester Young, Teddy Wilson track, talk about this. I love this. Well, you're getting into my early influences. Yeah, I mean, this record I've listened to so many times and I still feel like I've heard it's just the first time I've heard it. I and that that's an incredible experience and that's and that's that's what I want in in the music and and playing with Michael Caine and in Michael Caine's trio. That's that's kind of the idea is we're just playing these tunes that we that we know and we love, and they're 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 the arrangements are very spontaneous. Um, the connection to the song is is key, and the melody and playing together as a group and just kind of just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. And this record is that you you hear these masters playing these songs that they've played forever. It's swinging, it's fun, it's melodic. The interplay is amazing. Uh, and and uh, it's not overly arranged. It's just very loose, and they're and they're playing like you would play a gig, and that's and and that's great. That, that you got to be comfortable being able to put out a record of just doing what you do. Thank you. 
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. You get a really lovely, lovely sound. Thank you. And that's interesting that you obviously thought long and hard about that. Oh, yeah. It still continues to develop. From from just playing the thumb, about five years ago, I started bringing in the first finger so that my my hand actually kind of works like a pick now, Mm. up and down, uh, to be able to articulate the eighth note mm-hmm. at a higher, at a faster tempo, which is something that Wes, uh, Wes couldn't really do. Not that he didn't have a beautiful articulation through pull-offs and through upstrokes of the, of the thumb, but to actually treat the, the hand as a plectrum and try to find an even sound. Mm. So I actually met, um, a Baroque ludist in, uh, in Switzerland, who's was amazing, Lutus, uh, and he actually said what I was doing was very close to Baroque lute. So he gave me a few pointers, and that really helped me to, wow. to get the first finger kind of uh, approximating the sound of the thumb a little mm. better. So it's an interesting development, trying to figure it out on your own, you know, trying to well, develop it is. a technique. Well, and I think you're reminding me because I just – talked to Ken Poplowski about his sound on a different instrument on clarinet and that he really, that the sound that he goes for playing classical is the same that he does with his jazz mm. there. It's all connected. So you saying, talking to him about the sounds, the sound mm-hmm. doesn't matter what kind of music it is or the instrument you were going for that beautiful sound that you had an idea yeah. how you wanted to get. Yeah. You brought me some Peter Bernstein oh, yeah. as well. So talk about him. Well, Pete, Pete was uh, available to young guitar players and still makes himself available to young guitar players. Uh, when I first visited New York, I said I uh, visit I uh, would see Kurt and Pete play, and Pete's such an open, generous person. Uh, I felt comfortable talking to him and asking him for a lesson. Um, I went to his place, and he was he was so kind and. Uh, just so so giving the way he plays the way he talks about music is so meat and potatoes clear very uh open at the same time and and you hear him play uh he's completely uh involved in the tradition but has his own identity and his own sound um he's doing things on the guitar and, and it, it comes out so easy, and it's so hard when he does. <laughs> well, that's what we're all looking right, at. We're right. all but, looking for that. But there's a lot of there's a lot of players now that that aren't looking for that. They want it. It's hard, and it sounds hard. And oh, I that's I interesting. Wanna, I don't want to hear that. Really. Well, that shows how naive I am. I always think that the goal is to make it look. You, you don't want to have the sweat show. Well, that's what I'm saying about the the. There's, oh, there seems to be a separation in 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 what's in what music is now, and uh, I think Pete represents uh, complete virtuosity and creativity, but but always musical, always melodic, uh, amazing har- harmonic control on the guitar mm. in a way. Uh, but he's constantly improvising too, and it sounds, it sounds natural. Sounds so natural. Yeah.
Peter Bernstein on Blood Count. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is guitarist Greg Ruggiero. So you talked about your dad and Count Basie. My folks yeah. were big Basie fans as well. Yeah. Uh, but you brought me the best track. It's I great, love man. this track. So just talk about it and why you chose this. It's such a great well, it's exercise. Joe Williams. Oh, well. I mean, that's my dad had Joe Williams on all the time. I think it's it's got to be his favorite singer. Um, he just my my parents love swing music, you mm. know, and they love the blues. And that's well, Joe so Williams. Well, so it's Basie. And Basie. <laughs> and yeah, I mean that that beat that's that's what I remember waking up to in, on the weekends and being pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish started my, off at seven a.m. You know, uh, I just I wish got my up from pa- my I, parents I, had awakened me with that. That's so hip, though. Oh, now it's great. I, I mean, it's it's embedded it's embedded in me, and, and I'm really thankful for it now. But at the time, when you're when you're a teenager and you're trying to sleep on the weekend, and you wake up to that. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. But he has the last, the last laugh though, because now you, now we're talking about it on radio. Oh, I thanks, mean, Dad. My, my dad win. He's won. He's, I, I, I wanted. I didn't want him to win, <laughs> but, but he I won. Have, I have become him. <laughs> I say it all the time. Pick me a town in any climb where people like a rocking time and stay awake both day and night. Everybody's feeling good and right Then throw me Smack dab in the middle Pitch for me Smack dab in the middle Jump for me Smack dab in the middle And let me rock and roll to satisfy myself I want ten Cadillacs and a diamond mill Suits of clothes to dress to kill. I want a ten room house and some barbecue. And fifty chicks, not over twenty two. Then throw me smack dab in the middle. Dunk of me smack dab in the middle. Hurl of me smack dab in the middle. And let me rock and roll to satisfy my soul. I want a lot of bread and gangs of meat. Oodles of butter and something sweet With gallons of coffee to wash it down My carbonated soda by the pound Then throw me Smock dab in the center, child Smock dab in the middle bar Smock dab in the center And let me rock and roll to satisfy my soul Fort Knox and throw me smack 
dab in the middle, jump for me. Smack dab in the middle, dump for me. Smack dab in the middle, and let me rock and roll to satisfy my soul. And let me rock and roll to satisfy my soul. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is guitarist Greg Ruggiero. Nat Cole, Oscar Moore. The greatest combination. <laughs> Talk about swing. Oh, I, and just beauty and subtlety and innovation and, and heart. And, uh, this, this group is the best. I, I love it. I, I love it so much. Again, again, my parents used to listen a lot to Nat. Um, Oscar Moore has got to be the most underrated uh, jazz guitarist. Why? There is. Why is that? Because I think he played with Nat, and Nat oh, was such a huge personality. Yeah. Uh, but he was perfect in this group, and and he did so much for the guitar. He he opened up the guitar in the rhythm section. Previous to him, it was mostly. 4-4, four, four, just chunking. Uh, he really orchestrated. Uh, and the whole group uh, as a trio, I don't I don't think, I can't really think of a small group that orchestrated like a big band mm. before them. Mm. Um, the way the way Oscar Moore would comp like a pianist, mm -hmm. you know, and just blend in and out with, with Nat, the single note lines, the virtu virtuosity of his solos. Mm. The, the other thing is, when he was one of the guys making the conversion from acoustic to electric and that was really able to bring out so much nuance in the guitar that had never been done. And that's, a, that's another thing really missing today in, in, in jazz mm. and the guitar in general is nuance in the playing, bending notes, sliding around, uh, just all these different effects that are possible on an, on an unaffected instrument. A lot of guys now are going to effects to, to, to get different sounds and things. And, and, you know, the way I look at it, I don't even use reverb anymore because of somebody like Oscar Moore. It's like, there's so much in there on your instrument to learn how to, how to get sound out of it. A buzzer took a monkey for a ride in the air. The monkey thought that everything was on the square. The buzzer tried to throw the monkey off his back, but the monkey grabbed his neck and said, now listen, Jack. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. Ain't no use in diving. What's the use of jiving? Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. The buzzer told the monkey you were choking me. Release your hold and I will set you free. The monkey looked the buzzer right dead in the eye and said, Your story's so touching, but it sounds just like a lie. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and stay right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. So you're recording tomorrow. Yeah. I want to talk about it, and you're going to give me some tracks. I'm going to be one of the first people to get to play this. Yeah, okay, great. Which is very exciting yeah. on the show. So tell me. So I've never really recorded an album of standards on my own. Uh, it's something that 
I've been asked to do for a long time, especially from family. From your father. Oh, yes. <laughs> he doesn't want to hear any more originals. He wants so, uh. so I've been talking about it a long time uh, with, uh, with the great Steve Little, uh, drummer who played with Duke Ellington. He's on the record, uh, and his mother called him Bill. And, and Steve... The first time I got to play with Steve was through was through Mike Canaan, and it's it's that sound that you hear, and you're like, oh my god, that that's it, that's the real thing. I've never experienced anything like it. The first time he just hit the cymbal, so so I knew I was like, oh my god, I gotta I gotta do something with this guy. So I I was playing a steady gig uh, with a wonderful bass player named Paul Sakivi. It was his gig, and Paul is. Um, Cecile McLaurin Salvant's bass player. So he, he had a nice, just a bar gig that we started doing steady. And a wonderful drummer named Phil Stewart was on that. And his brother is great Grant Stewart, tenor player. So we were playing trio every week. Phil ends up getting a gig with his brother, a steady on the same night. So he has to leave. And Paul asked me, who do you want to get? I said, Steve Little. <laughs> so I said, all right, you think he'll do it? Sure. So Steve did it. We did that gig for three years, every Tuesday. And uh, it was a wonderful gig. I learned so much playing with Steve. Uh, that this, What I'm talking about as far as being part of the history and learning from the guys that that did it and grew up with it and they just breathe the beat and they breathe this music and it's it's a very different thing and i encourage any young musician to even if you don't get it at first i didn't get it at first either but i knew there was something there that i needed that i need and i still need i'm still working on it but uh this wide beat this sound the 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 the, the way these guys just live that music it's they they came up a different way and you have to recognize that what they're doing uh it's like learning a language let me, let me explain so you can learn a language through school or you can learn a language coming up in that culture and learning it and then the only way to learn it is to immerse yourself in that culture. And these guys are that. <laughs> they are that culture. That's such a lovely way to put that. I hadn't thought it in just coming at it just that way, but that's true to get all the nuance of it. Yeah. And you're not and you're not you're not thinking it in a way that you're that you're taught in school to put these pieces together. These guys just came up playing and learning on the gig and learning from masters, you know. Um, so Steve, again, biggest widest beat there is the biggest sound that i've ever come across um and just plays in a way that's that's becoming lost uh so so him and then uh the bass player is murray wall and murray's another one who's been here for many years the most beautiful uh just subtle unbelievable touch and and feel another thing that you have to just keep living with and revisiting to, to, to understand. I don't know if I'll ever fully understand it, but I know every time I play with them, I get better. And I, and I see, I, I notice things like, oh, there's more, all this nuance. Talk about nuance. Murray is a master of nuance. Uh, he, can, he can play so quiet and, and just quiet an entire room. It could have a noisy room and Murray will start to play. And suddenly everything settles and, and 
gets calm and beautiful. So I feel very fortunate to to be able to do this and and to be able to call them my friends at this point. You know, I get I've played with them so much now, uh, and I feel like it's time. It's time to do his standards. Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you, Judy. And best of luck with the new CD. Thank you. You've been listening to my conversation with guitarist Greg Ruggiero. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidoff. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with my Cashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, and to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at StrideQueen. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from Steinway and Sons and from Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. And special thanks to Henry and Gilda Block, the Ken Coker Foundation, and Mark Sendroff, and to all of you for your continuing support. I'll be appearing at the Patchogue Theater in Patchogue, New York, July 14th, the Cincy Blues Festival in Cincinnati, August 11th, and the Bloomington Blues and Boogie Festival in Bloomington, Indiana, August 12th. For more information, visit judycarmichael.com or jazzinspired.com.